Hello, my name is Mark Taylor and welcome to the Education on Fire podcast. The place for creative and inspiring learning from around the world. Listen to teachers, parents and mentors share how they are supporting children to live their best authentic life and are proving to be a guiding light to us all. Hello Firelighters, thank you so much for being here. I know audio is an important part of your life, so I just wanted to remind you that my audio course, 10 Pieces of Advice You'd Like to Have as a Child, is available on Listenable. You can get a 7-day free trial to listen to my course or the hundreds of other courses available on there. Just go to educationonfire.com forward slash listenable. Today I'm joined by Dr. Stephanie Ryan and she's from Let's Learn About Science. She's a chemist, a boy mum and a social media influencer who enjoys using her background to create superior educational products and content. Although an academic at heart, Stephanie is passionate about learning through play. She can be found helping young kids explore the fascinating world around them. Over the years, Stephanie has taught science to all age groups, both in and out of the classroom, helping toddlers learn about their world and college students to find theirs. Stephanie earned her PhD in the Learning Sciences and her MS in Analytical Chemistry from the University of Illinois at Chicago. She earned a BS in Chemistry from St. Mary's College. For great learning activities in the sciences, book recommendations and more, you can follow Dr. Stephanie on Instagram at Let's Learn About Science. And just before this fantastic conversation, here's a quick thank you to our sponsor. Thank you to the National Association for Primary Education for their long-term support of the Education on Fire podcast. To get a free e-copy of their professional journal, Primary First, please go to nape.org.uk forward slash journal. That's nape.org.uk forward slash journal. Hi, Stephanie. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Education on Fire podcast. I'm really excited to be talking about something which isn't my speciality in terms of science and, and chemistry specifically. And it's really interesting how people's worlds develop as especially younger and the whole idea of where your careers take you I'm a very sort of music arts based person in science was something obviously I did at school but wasn't something that piqued my interest so I think this is going to be a fascinating conversation from my point of view just to kind of get that kind of inside track of, of how that type of world exists so yeah thanks so much for joining us today thanks for having me Mark so let's go down that little rabbit hole first of all why science and, and how did that all come about for you as a bit of a passion my dad was an engineer when I was a kid, and he really, I wouldn't say he forced science on us. That's a little aggressive, but it was definitely always around because he knew the importance of it. And you know, they say that you're not training for a job that exists now. It's the job you're training your kids for doesn't exist yet. And so he thought science and technology was the way to go. And so he always really pushed STEM. Um, what we would do with that, who knows? Um, but he definitely wanted to make sure we had those opportunities. And we lived in Indiana, and there are several universities and colleges in the area they would do science days and he would drive us up on a Saturday, whether we wanted to or not. And I'll, I'll be honest, sometimes we didn't want to, <laughs> we still went, um, but it was really fun. And we did the science demos like liquid nitrogen where you freeze a banana or you do the egg drop challenge from a parking garage on a college campus. And it was just exciting to solve a problem and that it wasn't something you just memorized. And so I always kind of gravitated toward that because of it. I think that's really 
I think anything which is kind of real world and and also in the moment of everything, isn't it? You know, freezing a banana isn't the same as saying, turn to page 24, we're about to learn about X. And I've, I think in everything to do with education and learning, once you kind of get that connection, then the world really changes for you. Yeah, and I think that's something where science gets a little bit of a bad reputation. So you think of science and you've got fancy chemicals in the lab, and these are labs that you can only do at school. And that's not really true. I mean, we do science experiments every day when you get a stain out of your clothes. Like there, there are things that are just science. And I think that we have put it on this pedestal that you need a textbook to learn it and all of this, but you could actually do a lot in your house with just baking soda and vinegar. And yeah, it's not the most fancy way of doing it or getting at all the chemistry if you want to become a chemist, but it gets at the basic concepts. And I think that that's something that I at least try to help parents see. And I think once you, like I say, once it becomes, ah, this is what that is, you know, like I say, you know, it's, um, it's chemistry. I'm working out how this reacts to this and the different types of chemicals and, and how they're going to make a difference in what I'm trying to do. Like I say, so if you're trying to get a stain out, understanding all those things that you talked about to make that happen suddenly has that kind of real world kind of, oh, amazing. And then it's a it's a, a lot shorter steps, I guess, then into that kind of more formal, like you say, lab kind of setting. Definitely. And there's something that I remember in school that where they would talk about making, making science relevant for students. And that always really rubbed me the wrong way because science is relevant. Like, I don't, maybe we need to make better connections of how it's relevant, but you can't make something relevant. Um, but that's the kind of, yeah, the goal that I have is that you see the science around you and then you learn things to help you understand what's happening. And exposing kids to that, I think, is going to help them understand. You won't hear as many, oh, wow, chemistry was not my subject. You won't hear that as much, hopefully, later <laughs> down the road. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. So take us take us into that then. Tell us the sorts of things that you do, that, how you work, the sort of um, experiences you're having with children. So the experiments I do largely came from the pandemic and what I was, we all remember, it just shut down and your kids were told you they had to go home from school, daycares were closed and you didn't really have access to a lot of things. And parents on Instagram were saying, you know, I had written my book and we had this account started. And I would post an experiment and those would really get traction and they would get a lot of comments and questions. And I thought, maybe this is how I helped during the pandemic, because I can't do much else. I'm not a medical specialist, and I actually have asthma, so I couldn't help in any way. I needed to stay home. And I was like, maybe this is how I help people, is help them see what they can do at home with what they have. And so I started going through my pantry and looking at what I had or groceries that I could get delivered. And I came up with a bunch of things people can do at home that are free or near free. And I, what can I do with baking soda? What can I do with vinegar? What can I do with water? Um, what can we do with the things that we literally have on hand? And that is where it all started and started doing live events on Instagram Live, Facebook Live, and meeting with parents of how the questions they can ask. And that was something that I didn't really understand until that experience that some parents didn't even feel confident to ask the questions. So 
what's happening there? Like even that question, but as an educator, I always ask that question, but a parent who isn't, that wasn't as natural to them. So I actually started including things that go wrong. Um, when I make mistakes, I include that like, hey, this was my fourth try or like I did a bottle rocket in the yard with uh, vinegar and baking soda and it tipped over because I didn't tape it well enough. And now I don't have any grass in that spot. Like these are things I do this for a living and I have messed up. Like you are fine if it's not right the first time. Um, and then these are the kinds of questions you can ask your child. And if they add, they say this, you might go this way with it or this is a way to extend it. and um, that was just kind of how that came to be. And I try to tie in community workers. Um, I'm not sure which grade level this is in the UK, um, but pre-K over here, like pre-kindergarten, um, they do a lot of community helpers to one, make sure children know who is a safe person to go to if you're in trouble um, and things like that. But it's also a way that they can learn about jobs. And so I've tried to house all of the science, math, reading, all those things in jobs. And so I find STEM activities that can go with that. And then I'll find reading activities and books that also go to that job. And so we'll have a theme every week like that. Fantastic. I love the live interaction. I mean, I know you said Instagram Live and Facebook Live and, and that kind of thing, but there's there's something about the immediacy and, and the back and forth, I think, which I think certainly the pandemic in lots of ways, when you've got the relationship, like you said, you've been talking with parents and, and everybody, it's that it just suddenly makes it all real and all immediate. And I think that that's kind of changing, I think, the perception of, yeah, I like that. That works really well for me. Yeah, and it's... I. It's really fun to watch. So I actually do the experiment while they do it. And so I'll say, here is what I'm going to do. And now I'm going to pause and let you do it. And then I watch and we watch it happen. And we also, sometimes it's across countries. So I did something where um, the main person running the other half of it was in Taiwan. And so different countries have different ingredients. And so we were like, cool, let's try it. Let's see if you don't have Alka-Seltzer citric acid works. Let's test it. Um, and one guy didn't have a balloon for one of them. And he was like, I have a rubber glove. Will that work? And the rubber glove blew up like a hand. And I was like, I think I might change my activity to use a rubber glove instead, because that's really cool. Um, and so it's just this dynamic. It's I'm helping them in their own kitchen and we're having these conversations and to see the confidence on their faces that like, I did this with my child and with very little help, I could probably do this again, you know, and it's just like, it's very fulfilling for me. And how does it work in terms of their expectation from a, from a school setting? You know, w was it very much of the moment because doing something was better than the alternative of not knowing where to start or having to do it or the school providing something? Or do the two things sort of go hand in hand and, and especially sort of going forward now as people are starting to return to normal in inverted commas? Yeah, I'm finding that it's a combination of both things. So some people have decided to homeschool 
after this where they've decided I'd rather teach my child at home and then they're really interested in here are some activities we can do to still help them learn. Um, especially because a lot of parents aren't scientists and that one is one they often struggle with the subject at home. Um, but I think a lot of parents noticed that, hey, I can spend time with my kid in a different way on a weekend or an evening or a morning, and we can actually like find patterns in the world around us. And why don't we do that? You know? And so there are people who are looking for these kinds of experiences after school on weekends. And I think they're trying to incorporate those. And I definitely think that the doing something with your children is, is, is incredible, isn't it? Because it's that kind of, it just develops a, a situation and a relationship, which is different. And I think the more things you can do, which aren't just, um, you know, doing an, uh, going to an event or watching a film or whatever that happens to be, you sort of, you, like I say, you're working stuff out together, you're interacting together, you're building, experimenting, however that happens to be. The way that you work and understand each other is different, I think. And I think that can only be very supportive because like you say when it opens up those dialogues but also it kind of changes everything for for the better and then that must spiral as a positivity into into the rest of what goes on in your relationship as well yeah and it also shows kids that learning is a lifelong endeavor that it is not just like i go to school i'm done with high school life like i never have to learn anything ever again um to see that you might not know something so i know that's something that's hard as a parent is if you don't know an answer you don't really want your kid to think you don't know anything and so you're you fluff up you know like i i know i do it sometimes too with my own son um so but to say, I actually don't know. Let's look that up. Let's learn about that together. That's just as powerful so that they know that facts aren't all there is. Like it's you need to develop the information on your own, figure it out. And you're right, that relationship you build with those kinds of asking questions, then your kid is really comfortable asking questions. Like, hey, I had a question about this. Can we look this up? Um, and so you get into new interests and it's it's really fun yeah I love it and I'm also interested in in the Instagram live and the Facebook live aspect of it did that kind of break a barrier down as well as opposed to kind of I'm going to this website now to do this and all the sort of traditional kind of logging in and, and all of that the fact that it was kind of sort of social interaction obviously in a in a safe environment doing it in, in the way that you're obviously doing it because um because of everyone involved but did that kind of do you think changed the atmosphere of doing it in that kind of because I love what you talked about in terms of that reciprocal way you know I'm doing it you're doing it let me watch you this is what else just happened to me that's got a very different feel than a kind of a, a formal online class is it yeah it does and it definitely was something like I said this came out of the pandemic so it wasn't something I was expecting to do um like I do these things with preschool a lot where I will go to the preschool and do an experiment with them. But that's different than my online persona of what I do. And it was like, maybe this is a thing I just do now. Like maybe we do once a month, 15 minute things you can do at home and just do that. And it seems like it could be the way this goes. Um, I'm not sure yet. But yeah, that's definitely a really it's a really fun aspect of it for me to know that like we were in 12 kitchens that day across the world doing this experiment. Like that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, 
And I guess I know that sort of learning through play is an, is an important factor in, term, in terms of what you do. Is this kind of almost like an extension of that? Because it's it's playful in terms of the, the backwards and forwards as well as the, you know, the, the, what you maybe traditionally think is learning through play in, in a more structured way. Learning through doing. So yeah, I'd say it's it's learning through play and we're playing with science essentially, yeah. Um, so that goes along with the making sure that science, we know science is around us, that science is always happening and we're just noticing it and like we're observing these phenomena um, and we can learn how to explain it. Um, and that's something that I was having a little trouble with because I am a scientist and there is a right answer sometimes. And my son would say things like, oh, we were making popsicles. Uh, one of our activities we were doing and I said, okay, how do I get this liquid to become a solid? And he said, let's put it outside. And I was like, it's 90 degrees outside <laughs> Fahrenheit. And I was like, this isn't going to work. And I wanted to just go, no, like, that's not it. But then I thought, you know what, we're in a pandemic and I've got more than enough time on my hands. So <laughs> let's let's get an ice cube tray and I'm going to show them what happens. And so we put an ice cube tray outside and it evaporated. And so he had to mentally work with that. And so he's like, hmm. And then he like figured out other ways. And finally we got to the freezer and it worked and it clicked for him better than if I had just said, no, it goes in the freezer, you know, um, because it fixes itself in the end eventually. And so letting him work with the mental model that he has, this is how he's understanding it and giving him some contrast in case that it doesn't work. He had to figure that out. And then he's able to apply that later down the road. So later that year, it was raining, but it also started sleeting because it was cold. And he said, mommy, is the liquid rain turning to solid snow? And I was like, I never had to tell you that because you learned it in this way. Otherwise, if I had shut you down, you might've felt like you couldn't ask me questions anymore. And so I just, that's something I'm really trying to help train parents um, because I needed it too. Cause I just want to be like, no, that's wrong. Let's hurry up and get this done. But it's so much more powerful to do that side by side together. Yeah. And it's interesting. That's the second or third time I've heard that kind of analogy this week. And, and it was in a different setting actually, but it was that kind of meeting the person that you're dealing with, whether it happens to be like, say your, your child or, or someone you're working with where they are. And that can be really difficult when, like say, if they're, if they're quite young, because you know you can just tell them or you know you can help them really quickly. But that's not meeting them where they are. That's kind of trying to, like say, move it a little bit faster than it, than it, than it has to be. Whereas that learning experience is just taking it right to, so this is what you think. We can understand that now because you've told me and we've tried it. And then you sort of, like say, you work through. And, and the other thing I really like is the fact that not only having put the ice cube tray outside, was it just a question of the wall? Oh, it's still there. It's not frozen. It's actually, and it's also gone because it's evaporated. And then, and then that kind of expands that, you know, that conversation again, I guess. Yeah. And I think that that's something that I get the question a lot. Like, isn't a baby too young <laughs> to learn about chemistry? And I don't think so. So I think that knowing if something is a solid, a liquid or a gas is something they already do milk is wet. It sloshes around. I know that that is different than the floor. Like they know these are different. And so breaking the world around them down into those actually helps explain a lot of stuff. So like, look, this was liquid. Now it's solid. What happened? Is it still water? 
or did it turn into something else? Um, and you can bring in cooking that way too. Like I made the toast. Will the toast ever go back to the way it was? So it's still bread, but something changed. We can't ever get that bread back. Um, and just like working through those at that young age, I think is, I personally think it's a blast, but. <laughs> I do. That that just reminds me of a story of um, our, our middle child when, when he was younger. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure the science behind this, but in terms of related to toast and bread, he would always ask for cold one toast. And we were like, cold one toast? What, you want me to do it? And then, no, he just wanted bread, but he hadn't got, he hadn't done the bread to the toast part. It started with the toast and worked back. <laughs> it took us a <laughs> while, but we, we got there in the end. And obviously toddling that sort of age, you know, but just, <laughs> just reminds me of that kind of the, the, the slight science behind it, but also, yeah, that kind of, that kind of the difference between the two different situations, you know. But that's a great example of the meeting someone where they're at. And like with children, like they call something the way they call it. And as a parent, you call it that too, to help them out. Like, and then slowly you introduce the new words and they, they get better, but you don't look at them and go, no, it's not paschetti. It's spaghetti. Like you don't correct them like that. And I feel like we do that so much at school. And when we're talking about learning that it just like kills that interest. Um, but if we did it the way we teach them to walk or even eating, like they make a huge mess and we let them do that. Like, and it's because they're learning. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and I think it's also, it gives you a real insight into where they are, isn't it? I mean, we talked about, you know, meeting them where they are, but even just understanding where they are. Oh, right. So you've, you're, you're trying to explain it like this, which means that I can understand where you're coming from, wherever that happens to be. I see where your logic is or what, how you're trying to work it out. And then I can help and support and, and enable you or whatever the, the best word of terminology is to, to, to kind of make that happen. And I'm really glad you brought up the kind of the learning to walk and eat kind of thing, because you can see naturally, you know, nature takes care of itself. And the best way and the way that almost every child learns to walk is by doing it. You know, they practice, they have the right strength, they inherently know it's time to try, you know, and we support them and create the safe environment or however it happens to be to do it. I'm really curious as to why when we suddenly hit education or a, a formal setting that we suddenly think that, that's, that we don't, we'll stop doing that now, we'll just do it differently. And I'm assuming it's because you've got numbers in a class and we need to try and get an outcome rather than, like you say, meeting whichever child it, where they are at that moment and allowing them to do that trial and error. Yeah, I it's definitely something that I've thought and it's not something I thought of until I had a child though and watched him go through certain things and how I reacted to those things versus education and to even see that there's that difference. Um, but yeah, if a kid is learning how to walk and they stumble and fall, you don't pick them up, correct them and show them, no, it's like this, but that's really what we do. And we tell them they're wrong. Um, so I think that, yeah, meeting them where they're at is just real and understanding their mental model that they have is really helpful, especially with little ones because they can't explain themselves as well. Um, and so my son sometimes will be afraid of something and I have literally no idea why this thing is scary because he's not made that connection for me. But once I see it, I'm like, oh, okay, I can see how this is really scary for you. You know, like that's not it at all. Let me help. Like here, I'm going to show you that thing isn't scary in this context and we can work on that together. But if I'm just assuming he's a little carbon copy of me, 
that's that's not gonna get us anywhere (laughs) And, and, and also even if they are a carbon copy of you I'm not sure I'd remember what that was like as a five-year-old. You know, you have the odd snippet. and But even then, like you say, your reaction as a parent to what's happening with someone who's five is different than someone who's five reacting to that situation because it just has to be that that, that way. Yeah, one of the hardest parts of being a parent for me is uh, not instilling my own fears onto my child. <laughs> so, like, he'll bring up this like, giant spider to me, and I'm like, yes! <laughs> Yeah, like, let's count I'm the not, legs. <laughs> I'm not terrified. <laughs> yeah, that must take us into a whole new podcast. That kind of, you know, <laughs> sending your fears without any even having to say anything. But uh, <laughs> yeah, he likes to bring me worms in the garden, and I'm like, oh god, <laughs> like holding them in my hand. <laughs> oh dear. So, just tell us a little bit about how your sort of professional life works, because it, it sounds like you know you've got you know, the pandemic diversity that kind of came with that and everything else, but sort of tell us sort of, you know, I don't know, the week in a life of, uh, of Stephanie. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, that is definitely changing. Um, so during the pandemic, I took a step back from my normal day-to-day work of writing curricular materials and um, assessment items for books and for standardized testing. Um, so I took a step back and I took over pre-K for my son at home. Um, and then I documented that. So during the pandemic, the day in our life, we had a lot of fun. If I ha- take a step back and have a moment, like we did a lot of stuff. We learned a lot. Um, a lot of it was purely survival for me because I was getting a little bored not doing my normal work. Um, but it also, I think, opened up this really great door of what parents want and need. And it's kind of changed, like it it took off. And I do, I guess it's an influencer <laughs> on um, online. And I don't know what to do with that now that school is back and we're going back to normal. And I'm just trying to figure that out. But right now I am trying to keep up with content online. So it's like part of my day. Sometimes we do experiments on TV, uh, depending on if a TV station thinks that's a cool one to do. And then I write curricular materials and items. And I get to look up magazines and scientific journals and find new contexts to ask questions to help explain with science. And it's really fun. I get to read up for fun. (laughs) And it's my job. Um, So But yeah, I'm still working out that ratio of what is it. But right now, I'm mostly focused on my son and his uh, integration back into the world world because he he was, I mean, my husband and I were with him for 24 hours a day for 15 months. So getting dropped off at daycare can be a bit traumatic at times. And uh, he's, he's liking it, but there's definitely a lot of that emotional support that you need to do. So I'm just making sure that for the next month or so that I'm still able to be that support he needs. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I, th- and I think that's certainly the key. I think in, you know, we were chatting about careers and things before. I mean, I, I have the ultimate portfolio career and I sort of have my professional musician hat on sometimes i have my drum teaching hat on i have my podcasting hat on always got the parental hat on but the the, you know the the diversity within that is a is a self-employed person effectively across many sort of areas gives me that freedom to make the the choice and time choice and, and where you put that effort and i think 
I think that's a great position to be in, and I know lots of people would um, would like to have that opportunity. So I, I love it when, like I say, you can really pick and choose the moments that you need for certain things, as well as having that breadth, like you say, in terms of delivering your work life and the content that you can create. Yeah, and one of the things that I am learning how to do is the uh, reusing of content in different situations. Um, so like converting Instagram to Pinterest, to Pinterest into TikTok, and like figuring all these things out. And so it's, it's interesting because each platform is looking for something different and it can take a lot of time. <laughs> And I, th- I think what I'm, what I'm loving about today, just chatting, is that we, we start off with um, Dr. Stephanie Ryan, scientist, chemist, and that is very different than, and we're talking about repurposing content onto TikTok and to this and that, but, <laughs> but, but, but the journey that goes with that. And I think for people listening, it's so interesting because it's kind of, you don't know where your world's going to take you or where your life's going to take you, where that journey is. And it might be like, say you have this portfolio career. It might just be that you're, you're working in a school, but you have some extra things that you do a little side hustle or you, you do a bit of teaching or coaching on the side, but the way you then go about it. And, and that's why I love the podcast so much. It's that chance just to hear different snippets of what people are doing in different scenarios. And they, I could make that one little thing work. And, you know, we're all trying to figure these things out and, and put it in place. And I think I, I love, it because the preconceived ideas of where you think you're going to be or what you're going to do or what this scenario is when you talk about it to begin with is very different to the reality and I think that's actually fascinating yeah it's definitely if I look a year and a half ago I wrote my book and obviously like you want your book to do well so in my head I'm like oh that will go well and I will have some interviews here and there um but I had no idea that like like last week I had a TikTok video get 1.7 million views and I was like what (laughs) like who am I what is happening in my life right now and so I'm just trying to figure out the parts that you know what are the parts that are sustainable because that's really important now that we're out of the pandemic is that we're all taking care of our mental health and our physical health and making sure like everything is okay and sustainable um but then is it something that's adding value and i think that this is something that can add value in a way that i never even thought of was the parents i've always been so focused on the kids learning things but the parents need that support too and i think that might be maybe that's my new calling and so it's something that's been it's I feel like I'm having a midlife crisis because it's like such a big switch. But But I think I think the thing is, is that the environment is often set by parents, isn't it? It's that kind of it's Mm -hmm. a little bit it's a bit it's a bit like even when a child's in school, you know, you can directly influence someone by a direct conversation, but you can affect a whole load of people by creating the environment in a classroom or creating the support like you were saying with a parent to then that filter down to directly help the child because it's those adults around that are influencing their life the most exactly and i as a scientist i know of science books and science kits and stuff like that for kids and i'm obviously more comfortable getting them and know about them because that is what my job is but I don't want that to just be like science nerd culture. I want everybody to have access to that and feel comfortable like picking that book up in the store that my baby could learn about this. Yeah, I could do this. Um, I don't want people to be afraid of that. And so that's I, that's my hope is that that I'm kind of breaking down that wall for them. <laughs> yeah, different access points is key, isn't it? So let, let's just, bef- just before we move on, let's just dive into that just a little bit. So over a million views on TikTok 
and a book, which I would imagine took you slightly longer to create and and, <laughs> yes. and put together. <laughs> so take us through well let, let's do what's the, the the overall content to the um context and content of the book in terms of that and the relationship how the tiktok thing came for that particular video and why you think that they went uh, to and how they're connected or not connected as it were yeah so the book itself is let's learn about chemistry and it is a board book for kids and like i said there's this whole genre of like science for babies um and it's usually just us nerds who are scientists who buy them um and my son was playing one day and he was sorting all of his toys by color and i thought huh kids can sort really, really young. And a lot of chemistry is actually sorting things into solids, liquids, gases. Is it a chemical change or a physical change? And I was like, I think I have an idea. And I started looking through all the books that were out there and none of them approached it this way. And I thought, I think I have a cool idea. And it's which of these things is not like the other. And you have to pick why and say why, but there are a lot of different answers you could have and that that's okay. Um, and so looking at the skills of asking questions and supporting claims with evidence, like just getting more comfortable doing that at home. Um, and at first, my first draft was very nerd only. Like it was like you had to be a scientist to understand what's on the pages. Um, and my husband, who is not a scientist, but a science enthusiast was like, you've got to make this more parent friendly if you want it to be to everybody. And I was like, oh, okay, so I'm going to work on that. So I worked with the developmental editor and we ended up having the answers of what the different things I'm trying to show are under it. So the parent can know right away. Um, and then off to the side, it's the science explanation, if you want to even use it. So if your kid doesn't say anything science related, you don't have to go to that page. You can just be like, wow, that was a great observation and move to the next. Um, and it paired really well with different activities. So like you can do which of these is not like the other in your own kitchen. You can do chemical reactions and talk about that page. And that was what I really wanted to do is that interaction with your kid. Um, and then the videos, at first I did videos that directly just went to the book because obviously trying to sell a book, you do videos that are like, oh, do this with page seven, you know. And um, But then I was like, you know, there's just a lot more we can do. And the book kind of went on the, it's not on the back burner. Like I still promote it and still do things with it. But um, mostly it's just the experiments and some experiments hit. You get the right music with it. And if it's visual, people really want to do it. And I actually had some people stitching it, no, wait, which duetting on TikTok where it's like side by side and they would do it next to mine. And I was like, that's, that's so cool. <laughs> I, that made science mainstream for a day. That means that many people learned about science that day. That's so cool. <laughs> Absolutely. And it, it's, it's, it's fascinating, actually, because um, I, I actually... This is um, slightly left field, but I, I live in a Silverstone, and um, and this weekend is the um, is the British Grand Prix, and um, Lewis Hamilton, um, seven times world champion, is is working about getting a diversity and a range of people into Formula One and all of that. And I know he's had a um, a piece of research which has been published this week, and he's been sort of talking to people about how that is, and it just seems to me that a lot of it is the fact that issues come by people's relationship with school in terms of being expelled was one of the things he was talking about or you know just kind of getting those conversations going and actually 
people wanting to to look at STEM subjects and being involved in all of that. And I just love the fact that, like you say, science for a day from that TikTok video is much more likely to spark someone's interest who's disillusioned with school or just thinks that science is going to look like this in the classroom. And and like you said, you know, it may well be that you've opened up a world that you didn't realise was there, but I think it's in many ways much more impactful than than we can even conceive at the moment. Yeah, the field of science communication is fascinating to dive into because there are people that's their entire job is all they do is communicate science to the public in fun, catchy ways. And that's what we need. Um, we need people to understand the science. Um, we don't want people to think science is not real because they don't understand it, or we don't want people not to trust scientists because they don't understand it. Um, and so I know that one of the programs I went through in graduate school was um, I got put into classrooms with kids and teachers, and I was doing research on my own chemistry stuff. And so I had to learn how to speak to the public. And that is not something everybody goes through when they get their PhD. And so there are a lot of people who can't really use smaller words and break it down so it's not all just jargon. And I think that it's really important that everybody does that. Um, and that makes science more transparent. Um, and in that process, we also see all the different people who do science. So in talking about diversity and inclusion, that it's not just white man in a lab coat with crazy hair and glasses who is a scientist, you know, that there's like a guy at NASA who has like purple hair and you're like just getting out there that there is not one way or one type of person to be a scientist. Um, and I know as a woman in STEM, I know a lot of women who do this of where they have an account of like, this is me wearing a dress to work. Like I can do both. I don't have to be like this unfashionable nerd. Like you think I must be, you know? Um, and so it's just great to see, the interaction with like Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok of how people are getting this new view of science, which I didn't get when I was a kid. Yeah. I actually remember hearing things of like, oh, you don't look like you're a scientist. And I used to take that as a compliment, not the insult that it is that like, oh, you must be in the wrong field. Like you're not nerdy enough or like, and I, it's something that as an adult, I think back and I'm like, well, that wasn't very nice of them to say. <laughs> do they think that I'm in the wrong field? Like, should I, or do they think I wasn't smart enough? Or like, what is that? Um, so I think that that's a really great place kids are going to be starting from. So my four-year-old is going to, this is what he's going to grow up with that attitude. And I'm really excited to see what that does. Yeah. Fantastic. I, I, I love it. And like I say, I think that impactfulness for all those reasons you just said is is, is exciting for everybody, I think, entering the, the their world of learning and in terms of just understanding that it's not what those preconceived ideas are that you expect. And in the same way that when you ask a child to, to draw a, a train, they do it with um, smoke coming out. It's like, how many steam trains to see these days but it's kind of what you do <laughs> i think there's there's something about the way that world works in the brain which i like to say if we thomas the tank that's what it is <laughs> that's what it is and i've already got it going in my head anyway let's just stop it there for a second <laughs> <laughs> so let, let's just wind it back a little bit into into your own education experience is there something which was really impactful for you that you'd like to share whether it was a teacher or a situation that kind of I guess could be good or bad, but certainly had that big, big reaction for you. 
Yeah, when I was in high school, um, we had talked about this off air. Um, I was the straight A student who memorized things and school was really boring. Um, and I got into chemistry and it was difficult. And I was like, ooh, this is hard. I like this. Okay, I'm going to have to really bring my A game <laughs> to be able to get this class. And I had a teacher, Mr. Collins, who actually would raise the bar. So he would be like, okay, you got this. Now we're going to try this. You know, you are going to just keep getting more and more. I'm not just going to do what the textbook has. We're not just going to the next chapter. I want to see if you understand this. Um, and by the end of my high school, I think I had taken three years of chemistry because with him, because I really loved it. And he gave us entrance exams for college as some of our tests and we were passing those and it helped me with getting in college and beyond because I was doing that. Um, and that was just, it was the first time I think I ever really had a teacher do that of where it was like, you need more than what I was going to give. And here I'm going to, I'm going to tweak this and give you the more. Um, now, did that come at a detriment to the other students who weren't succeeding? Possibly, um, but I wasn't paying attention to that. Like I was thinking of my own journey, um, but that's how I ended up getting into chemistry. And then for education, when I was in college, I did a work study program um, of where it helped pay for my tuition by me working in the uh, chemistry lab. And I was a TA for a nursing chemistry class. And I loved it. I made every context to do with medicine and I helped these students like really get into it. And the professor, she was a nun. I went to a Catholic uh, college. She pulled me aside and she said, have you ever thought about being a teacher? I was like, no, I'm going, I'm going to do med school. That's just, that's what you do with the chemistry degree. And um, she was like, I think you might reconsider, think about it. Like, look at this semester and see what you think about it because it's not too late. And because I was at a school that was small enough, my advisors all met and we made it happen. And I started doing my student teaching. I caught up on classwork that I had missed by not doing it as a freshman and sophomore. And I had both. I had chemistry and education ready to go. And then I could decide what I wanted to do. So those were two really impactful moments in school for me. And it's fascinating hearing you talk about that now, having been speaking for the last half an hour or so, because I think all of those elements come shining through in the way that you explain what you love, what you like, how you've been showing up in the world and doing what you're doing. And like you say, just those people here and there, that they, they, it's almost like we talked about, you know, meeting a child where they are that's kind of them meeting you where you were then but with that knowledge of but I can also see where that could take you and I think that kind of personalized learning and understanding is is so key for so many people and yeah amazingly grateful to all those people that make make, make those difference to each person and so yeah long may that continue for everybody yeah um and it's just crazy how two people can make that big of an impact and in grad school I have two people that also trajectory change like and it's just that it really is meeting you where you are at and they seeing your potential uh, instead of seeing what you're doing right now. Um, yeah. And that's it. So I think 
Yeah, and I always keep an open mind with all my students. Like, I see where you could go with this. You might not see it yet yourself, but you can. Um, and so that's definitely an attitude I've taken with me. Yeah, love it. And is there any advice that you were given which really you found impactful or, or, or and, I guess, is there anything you would now tell your younger self um, which you think would be very supportive? Oh, wow, that one's tricky. Because most of the things that you did in your past life led you to where you are at the moment you're at. So I think any changes would change other things. So um, I would say probably don't sweat the A's so much of like making sure you have a 4.0 because that wasn't as important as I thought it was going to be in my life. Um, and understanding things more than memorizing them. Um, it's definitely something I've had to redo as an adult. Um, so a story that my husband loves to tell is that <laughs> He, like I said, he's a science enthusiast. So he actually really understands a lot of science, but not, might not know the equations where I knew the equations, but couldn't explain it. And so I had a low tire and he was like, why? Why is it low? And I was like, PV equals NRT, those gas laws. And he was like, and? Like, that <laughs> doesn't explain anything to me. And I'm like, well, the volume decreased, you know, because and he was like, but why? And I couldn't explain it. <laughs> Like, what is wrong with me? <laughs> and so one of the things that um, I'm noticing with school in the U.S. at least, we have new standards that break it down more that way. So instead of memorizing the periodic table, you are learning about Coulomb's law and how things attract and how that actually holds an atom together of each element and why that means they react the way they do and things. Instead of memorizing like I did, all the columns and that anything in this column does that. And it's, it's not useful. Um, it's, it's a useful tool. Like if you need to do something quick, but it able to explain something, it's not useful at all. So that's something that I would tell myself is like, pay more attention to the how and why than the what. Yeah. <laughs> but other than that, I think I'd make most decisions very similarly. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> And just finally, is there a, a resource which has had a big impact that you'd like to share? And this could be a book, a, a video, a song, a, a podcast, could be anything, but something which is, is really being supportive for you. Hmm. I am a big fan of personal networking, of making sure that like, if you don't know something, ask. Um, and so I think a tool that I use a lot is social media to ask questions. So um, I was trying to develop a context the other day and I tweeted an author of a paper who had a, a talk and it wasn't published yet and I wanted some information. He tweeted me back, sent me the stuff and it was like, that's awesome. Um, and here you go. And it, you get that a lot. And so to be able to use, it never hurts to ask. That is my, my tool, I guess I would use because I get experts on the Instagram channel um, to talk about their careers. And I found that people love talking about their careers, especially to kids. Um, and I'm getting like really cool experts. Like I got to interview an astronaut. Like that's the coolest thing ever, you know? And so to, you just ask. Um, and so I think you're your own tool. You use your own voice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and I think it's really interesting, isn't it? Because you sort of think that everybody's out of step, you know, they're too far removed. But it's amazing in this day and age, you know, people like the connectivity. And so if you ask someone and they 
find you authentic and they want to engage then they can reply and people do people are usually because people don't ask and i think that they're, they're actually there's more of a surprise that oh someone has and they'd like to know and i'm more than happy to to do that and i think that's such a big in a big light bulb moment for so many people because then you can make those steps and you can get involved in the world that you're interested in and again it's kind of back to the the tiktok thing and, and instagram and, and and that exposure is that everybody's there it's just a question of of, of of making the most of the opportunity i guess yeah and don't reinvent the wheel like if there's an expert out there that does this work with them don't try to become them like unless that's your field and you are trying to do that but like if you need help with something ask um and so reach out on linkedin hey have you heard of any articles about this and spend, instead of spending like 20 hours yourself like on your weekends like figuring something out um, text a friend, you know, like use each other as knowledge resources. Um, and I think that that's been really a big resource as an adult. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think that ties in and, and rounds off beautifully what you were saying before the kind of the knowledge element is actually much easier to get hold of now. You know, your, your, your skill and your value came from the fact that you use something that other people didn't. And I think very much now you can find that out by a quick ask or a quick search online or whatever it happens to be but the application the understanding the 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 overall skills that you need to incorporate and to develop it and to make it useful in the real world is is much more integral to the to the future i think so i think that just that rounds things off beautifully so stephanie thank you so much for sharing your time and everything with us just tell everyone where they can go and check out all those videos in the book and everything so they can they can see you doing all the wonderful stuff that you were chatting about yeah, it's Let's Learn About Science is the Instagram and TikTok handle. And then the website is letslearnaboutscience.com. Um, I'll warn people the website is under construction at the moment, so it's not what it's going to be. Um, we're going to be converting all of the um, themed weeks I was talking about into blog posts. So that parents, if they have a kid who has an interest, say like, I like bugs and I can show them this whole curriculum I have done with bugs researched the books, the free materials that are out there and what you might do to help that process out. So um, those are the places to catch me. <laughs> fantastic. Well, Stephanie, it's, it's been fantastic chatting to you and I'm, um, I'm excited by your enthusiasm and everything you're able to share and uh, it's been brilliant. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. It's such a pleasure to be able to bring you such wisdom and inspiration. If I could ask you to do one thing, please share this podcast with one other person just so that we can really make the most of our ripple effect of being able to just reach as many people as possible. And that way we can make the biggest difference in the world. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to know more about the community and how to get involved, please go to educationonfire.com forward slash fire. Thanks for listening to the Education on Fire podcast. For more information of each episode and to get in touch, go to educationonfire.com. Education is not the filling of a pail, but the lighting of a fire.